Hey everyone, welcome to the Gatekeepers Podcast. In this episode, Pastor Casey continues the Exodus series by teaching the fifth and sixth commandments. If you want to know more about Gatekeepers, visit gatecityatl.com slash gatekeepers. Enjoy. All right, so I told you to go to uh, Exodus, or I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 5. Just kind of earmark that. That'll be important for um, later. Uh, in Exodus 20, which is where we're at, we get the Ten Commandments, and I'm going to read to you the Fifth Commandment, and we're going to launch right into honoring your mother and your father. All right, so this is Exodus chapter 20. Um, the command is this, Honor your father and mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Sit. Super simple. Honor your mother and your father. Now, this is uh, really the first commandment that is kind of switching gears. If you remember, the first four commandments speak of our relationship to the Lord, right? You shall worship the Lord your God. You have no other idols. Um, you'll keep the Sabbath. And uh, uh, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Totally almost forgot that one, right? So the first four are literally have to do with our relationship with the Lord. These next six are all about how we relate to one another, which is why Jesus is like, hey, that's why the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. First four commands, and then to love your neighbor as yourself, for the law can be summed up in this, right? So he's summing up the entirety of the law. Exodus, uh, or the Ten Commandments, uh, this is the first one uh, kind of given instruction to how we relate to one another. Now, this is also titled the command with a promise. If you go look at any commentator, they're going to say this is the first command with a promise because it's the first one, guess what? With a promise, right? Honor your mother and father that your days may be long in the land. Right. And so if you want uh, if you want uh, a blessing, you've got to kind of if you want the blessing of your days being long in the land, you've got to honor your mother and father. That's the idea. That doesn't mean that God's going to kill you and cut your life short. We'll talk a little bit about what it means. Um, this is perhaps I'll just say this, the most difficult command out of all 10. This is probably the hardest one to navigate. It is probably the most painful one for us to think about. It's really easy to love a God who loves you perfectly, mm. right? It's really easy to, to speak well about a God who um, speaks well and thinks well of you. And honestly, it's, if we look at all the other commands, it's really easy to a degree, it's much easier to love your neighbor, to honor your neighbor, to honor the unbeliever, to honor somebody else in your life, the hardest person to honor in your entire life, I promise you, it's gonna be your mom and your dad. Mark Driscoll uh, does a series on the Ten Commandments that's really helpful, and this is one of the things he says. He goes, if you can figure out how to honor your mother and father, there's nobody you can't honor. Mm. If you can figure out how to honor your mother and father, there's nobody you won't be able to honor. Some of you, you have really good parents. You have godly parents. You have parents who raised you well, who loved you well, who supported you, who championed you, who gave you the appropriate level of discipline because they love you. They were at all of your baseball games. They were, um, they, they, they made sure you had food on the table. They made sure you didn't want for anything. They gave you the right amount of affection with the right amount of um, intensity. They were good parents. That's not my story. And if I'm honest with you, that's probably not most of your story. The enemy has done such a good job of eroding the family unit 
and, and breaking the family unit that most people that I interact with, they don't have that story. Now, some people certainly do. And if that's you, here's what I just want to give you just permission right now. You need to go home and you need to tell your mom and dad how grateful you are for them. You need to go home and you need to tell your mom and dad, hey, listen, I realize most people don't have a mom and dad who love them and love their children and love the Lord and, and, and raised us right and raised us according to the word. And I'm so grateful for you. But the reality is because we live in a broken world and because sinners make more brokenness, uh, which makes more sinners, which makes more brokenness, as we're all part of that whole system, we're part of that pattern. The reality is most people don't have that kind of a story. Most people grew up in some level of unhealth and some level of brokenness. Yet the command remains the same. The command is not honor your mother and father as long as they're honorable. The command is not honor your mother and father as long as they are honoring the word. The command is not honor your mother and father as long as they are honoring me. The command is plain and simple. And no matter where you fall on the kind of parental spectrum, whether you had the worst parents or the greatest parents, the command remains the same. You and I, as Christians, we are called to honor our mother and our father. And here's the thing. I will just tell you right now, this season of life that you are in, it will never be harder to honor your mom and dad than right now. You guys are young adults, and this is a wonky place to be a young adult. I remember being a young adult, and I couldn't figure it out, man. I'm so glad that I got married, had kids, and moved on with my life and became like a real adult. Okay. I say that tongue in cheek, but it's so hard to be you. And here's why it's so hard to be you. Because just a couple of years ago, you lived with your mom and dad and honoring looked like obeying. Just a couple of years ago, you were children. Now you may not think about it that way. You're like, oh, it's a teenager. No, you were a child, right? And the Bible has very clear um, uh, instructions for children and how children are to honor their mother and father. Obedience. But you're in a weird position now, guys, because you're not children anymore. You're 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. And honoring at 20 looks very different than honoring at 16. When you're 16, you obey. Your mom and dad tell you to do something unless it's like illegal or unless it breaks actual scripture. You just got to do it. So when your mom and dad are like, hey, be in at eight o'clock, you're like, okay, I got to be in at eight o'clock. That seems oppressive, but I've got to honor right? Because honor looks like obedience. For you guys, honor doesn't look like obedience anymore. It looks like consideration. It looks like I've got to, I need to consider my mom and dad and what I do. And I need to consider everything that they say to me. I need to really weigh it. But it's very difficult to navigate at your age. Some of you guys, you're, you're 20 years old, 21 years old. You are an adult, but you live with your mom and dad. How are you supposed to honor your mom and dad as an adult, but I live with them kind of like a child? Right. And it's hard. I remember I just guys, I remember all of the weird confusion and so many of our conversations one on one is centered around this idea. I want to do X, Y and Z. My mom and dad want me to do this. And I, I, I don't know how to honor them in the middle of this because I don't want to do what they want me to do. But I live with them and I'm 20. Mm. You guys know that tension? It's never going to get harder. Okay, what's going to happen is eventually you guys will probably move out and you will become your own person and you will probably have a family. And then honoring, it's, it's very clear. You don't have to do what your mom and dad say, but at 20 years old, when you live with them, it's very difficult. And so um, here's what I would just like to say. Number one is um, for you guys, no matter what season of life you're in, um, 
right now, if you are 18 and above, let's say that you're, you're an adult, you're out of high school, even if you live with them, honoring may not quite look like obedience, but it does look like consideration. And so when your mom and dad tell you something, doesn't matter whether they're saved or whether they're unsaved. It doesn't matter whether they're painful parents or really awesome parents. You consider what they have to say. You weigh it. You take it before the Lord. Real practical. Hey, um, mom and dad, I want to do missions. I feel like I am called to go to, to the mission field. I'm going to go raise support. I'm going to join uh, Global here at Gate City, and I'm going to go do missions. And your mom and dad kick back, and they're like, ah, I don't think you should do missions. Matter of fact, I really want you to get a college degree. Mm. Right? But you're 19 years old. What do you do? That's painful, right? Well, here's what you do. You don't just get to buck the system and go, I'm a grown-up, and I'm going to do what I want to do, mom and dad. But at the same time, you're not forced and obligated to do what your mom and dad tell you. So it's a real hard, real, real hard place to be. What I would just say is you guys need to consider what your mom and dad have to say. And so what you're going to do is in that situation, it's very practical. You're going to say, okay, my mom and dad think I should do X, Y, and Z. Uh, I don't want to do that. And I don't even necessarily feel like the Lord's telling me to do that. But I am going to open-handedly, unbiased, I'm going to lay this before the Lord and say, God, is this what you would have me do? Because you chose my parents for a reason. And maybe they're trying to really help me and they're seeing something that I can't see right now. And you're going to take it before the Lord. You're going to pray and you're going to fast. And if you don't pray and you don't fast, and you don't really seek the Lord about it, um, you're going to be in trouble. But once you've really sought the Lord about it and say, your mom, say the Lord's like, I want you to go do missions, then you have a clear conscience in going to do missions because you know that you really did wholeheartedly consider what they have to say. Okay? Now, it's very hard to be you. Abusive parents you honor, godly parents you honor. Now, honoring may look like very different, uh, may look very different in each of those situations. Perhaps you um, are on the, the lowest end of the spectrum and you had the worst parents you can imagine. Honoring them might simply look like this. I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to move on with my life and I'm not going to hold any bitterness or anger against them. It may not look like going to every holiday party. It may not look like inviting them into your life. It may not look like anything else like it looks like for the one who was raised by a godly mom and dad. It may simply be, I'm going to choose to love, I'm going to choose to forgive, then I'm going to move on, and I am not going to allow that person who did such harm, um, uh, I'm not going to allow them to control my life anymore. Right? That may actually be the honoring thing to do. But if you have a godly mom and dad, honoring looks very different. Honoring for you, honestly, probably though it looks like consideration, there's probably a little bit more to it. And so like, I'll give you this. I have uh, my uh, in-laws, they're very godly mom and dad. They, they love Jesus. They love my wife and I, and they've been very supportive of us. So honoring for them doesn't look like me just um, moving past them and saying, hey, thanks for your daughter. I'm out. We're going to go do our own thing. Honoring for us looks like, hey, you know what? Um, we're going to make it a point to make sure we're over there to see you guys every month. And we're going to take a whole day out of our schedule every month. And we're just going to make sure that we're there hanging out on your turf, spending time with you because we love you. And we know that you're going to feel honored by that. You don't have to do that with an abusive parent. You don't, right? But you can understand honoring, it's just, it's difficult. And it's difficult for so many reasons. But I'll give you this. Let me just tell you this. Let me give you um, two kind of biblical concepts, okay? Uh, two biblical concepts that I think demonstrate the importance of the fifth command. I know that's a long sentence. 
Two biblical concepts that I think demonstrate the importance of the fifth command. God says this. This is like front and center. This is the first time that God is speaking to people to as a group and not just one individual. And here's what he says to his children. He says, hey, family value. Before I even talk to you about murdering, before I talk to you about committing adultery, before I talk to you about stealing, before I talk to you about lying, before I talk to you about coveting, you need to know this. First rule of thumb, honor your mother and father. It stands to reason that it's very important to the Lord. I'll tell you why. Go back to the garden. Go back to Genesis. Go back to pre-fall Adam and Eve. So often we like to look at the fall and we like to look at it as God or that, that man rebels against God. But what you, which is very clear, according to Luke, is it actually wasn't mankind rebelling against God. It was sons and daughters rebelling against their father. This idea of honoring your mother and father is so vital that the first human beings who decided they weren't going to do it, they caused all of the mess that you and I are in today. The entirety of the fall came from the fact that Adam and Eve did not honor their spiritual father. Think about that for a second. Now, as big of a deal as that is, we see that kicks off a pattern in Genesis. And if you guys, how many, raise your hand if you were with me through most of the series in Genesis last year. So you recognize this pattern. That level of brokenness because Adam and Eve decided not to honor their father, their spiritual father. What happened to all of their kids? The, the lineage, whether it's Cain and Abel, whether it's um, Abraham, whether it's Isaac, whether it's, it's Jacob, whether it's Joseph, there was this, this breaking of the family unit where it's, it's, there's a wedge between children and their parents. And you and I live in that tension today. It's just gotten worse. And it's so important to the Lord, number one, because that's how we got in this, this whole mess, but it's also so important to the Lord. Uh, and, and I'll tell you this, because it's actually the end times message. The forerunner message in Malachi chapter four, let me read it to you. He says this, he says, behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming, the great, the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord, before Jesus comes back. And he will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. And I will not come and smite the land with a curse. So we see right off the bat, at the very beginning, God tried to avoid the fall. He tried to avoid all of the mess that comes when you don't honor your mother and father. And we see at the end, he's going to try to remedy the mess. Mm. And he says right off the bat, he goes, listen, before the great and terrible day of the Lord, I will restore the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the children's hearts to their fathers. And the idea is simple. God loves family. The entire tapestry of human society as his creation is woven on the backs of family. And he loves family because he desires us to be his family and we are his family. So it's really important to the Lord, obviously, that he would say, hey, before I talk to you about judgments, before Jesus comes back, he's like, I'm going to do something so prophetic and I'm going to give you a revival. But that revival is not going to look like flopping around on the altar. That revival is going to look like reconciliation between fathers and sons. And that's stunning. Before the coming great and terrible day of the Lord. So uh, here's what I want to do. I want to I want to try to get really practical with this one because uh, I wish that someone had been practical um, with me when I was your age. Um, does the Bible tell us what honoring our parents should look like? No, it doesn't. Unfortunately, there's very little spoken um, about uh, defining what honor looks like. 
Um, if you look at the Hebrew, it looks like um, holding in, in high regard, um, respecting, um, prizing them. But what does it actually mean to honor your mother and father? I will tell you this. The Bible doesn't tell us um, what it says or what it means by honoring your mother and father. But here's what the Bible does tell us. It tells us how to honor and love our enemies. Okay, now, some of your parents are not your enemies. Most of you, your parents in the room are not your enemies. You just need to know that right off the bat. But I think this is really helpful. Um, and it's something that John and I actually talked about not too long ago. Um, so often we can think that maybe our parents um, or our leaders or people in our life, whatever, we could get offended, we can get frustrated, we can get angry. And we and, and in the midst of that frustration and bitterness and, 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 and anger, it can be really hard to figure out how we're supposed to honor them. And I would just say this, the Bible doesn't give um, clear definition for how we're to honor each people group, but it tells us very clearly how we're to love our enemies. And so let's just imagine for a second that your mom and your dad, though they are not your enemy, let's imagine that they're as bad as you think they are on your most angry, hated, hateful day. Imagine for a second that your mom and your dad are actually your enemies. They are the most um, abusive, intense, and painful people in your life. They're there to try to oppress you, to hold you back. They don't celebrate you. They don't give you affection. All of the worst things that you can imagine in a parent, let's just imagine for a second that that is your mom and dad, and we'll call them your enemy. What does the Bible say about loving your enemy? That's really helpful, right? Because the if you actually go look, and I'll, I'll read it to you in a second. If you actually go look at what the Bible says about how we're supposed to treat our enemy, Jesus will then go and say, okay, this is how you treat your enemy. This is how you treat your neighbor. Same thing. There's no difference. You're going to love. You're going to honor. You're going to pray. Let me check this out. This is, the Bible may not say this is uh, how we honor our mother and father, but it does say, here's how we treat our enemy. Um, Luke chapter six. But I say to you um, uh, and to those who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who abuse you. Take that in the context of maybe your mom and dad. So you're asking the question, how do I honor my mother and father? Well, here you go. I say to you here, love your enemies, love your mother and father, do good to them, bless them when they curse you and pray for those who abuse you. How about Romans chapter 12? Um, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. How about Proverbs 24? Do not rejoice when your enemy falls and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles. Romans 12, 19. Beloved, um, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. And then Matthew chapter five, um, you have heard it said um, that you've heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist one who's evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And so you may be wondering, you're like, okay, I'm in this weird season. How am I supposed to honor my mom and dad, even the ones who are dishonorable, even the ones who are painful? And I would say, here, you, that's a great starting point. What does the Bible say about your enemy? And then treat your parents accordingly. Again, your mom and dad are not your enemy, but it's a good, it's a good starting point. Amen? Okay. Now, Jesus would confront the Pharisees. And I think this is, I think this is really interesting. Um, Matthew chapter 15, Jesus would confront the Pharisees on the issue of honoring your mother and father. Remember a few weeks ago, we talked about the difference between going by the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law, right? And the spirit of the law means that the law had an intention and sometimes you cannot violate what it actually says, but you're still violating the very intention of the law. The Pharisees fell into that trap. And so in Matthew chapter 15, Jesus is getting ready to expose them. And he's like, hey, listen, by the letter, you're good. 
but you violated the very intent of the law and of the command, honor your mother and father. So look at this. I think this is insightful for us as we're trying to figure out and navigate how do we honor our mother and father. Um, Jesus says this, for God said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to, uh, they are not to honor their mother or father with it. Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. And so here's the idea. Jesus he looks at the disciples or he looks at the Pharisees and he goes, hey, listen, you guys say, hey, you need to honor your mother and father. You guys preach it. You guys teach it. You say it's a it's a high value for you. And he says, but when your mother and father need help, you take the money that you should be doing that using to help them and you give it to the church instead. You give it to the temple instead. You say, no, this money, this money is the Lord's. It's not to go to my mother and father. And I think that is fascinating to me because he gets angry at that. And he calls them hypocrites. Isn't that fascinating? So what's the idea? Well, why is it, why is it, why is that important? Because you cannot, don't make the mistake of thinking that you have to choose between honoring your father and mother and honoring the Lord. They're not mutually exclusive. You honor the Lord by honoring your father and your mother. Think about that. You honor the Lord by honoring your father and mother. Jesus said in this case, he goes, I would rather you take the money and bless your mom and dad than give it to the church. Because in your honoring of them, I'm honored. And so some of you, you feel like there's this tension that you've got to walk in and go, okay, I'm going to choose whether I should honor my mother and father or I'm going to choose whether I should honor the Lord. And I'm just going to tell you, no matter what you're dealing with, if you choose to honor your mother and father, God will be pleased and he will be happy. Does that make sense? Okay, there's a, there's a, um, there's a principle found, I don't know where it is. Uh, Lord help me, I don't, I don't have a clue where it is. Uh, but I promise you it's in there. It's in the Bible. You can Google it, right? And he's talking about um, honoring your brother, right? But the principle applies. Basically, the idea is this. If you, if you can't honor and love your brother whom you can't see, how can you honor and love your heavenly father who you can't? And, and the principle remains. If you can't honor your mother and father who you can see, how are you expected to honor your mother and father or your spiritual father who you cannot see? And I think that's really important. So does the Bible tell us what honoring should look like? No, it doesn't. But it does tell us what we should, how we should honor our, uh, our enemies and how we should treat our enemies. Um, it tells us uh, that little thing in Matthew 15, that honoring your father and mother um, uh, is actually honoring the Lord. Uh, and then I, I would say this. Now, we're going to bullet point this. Uh, yeah, we'll bullet point this. I think this is, this is helpful, though. These are like very specific, practical things that I'm going to be honest with you. Some of them are found in the Bible. Some of them are not. They're just helpful. Okay, these are the things that I have learned over the years about how I should honor my mother and father. So uh, I titled this little section, uh, you didn't ask this, but give us some tips on how to honor our mother and father because it's very difficult. Okay, here we go. I've already said this, but the first thing that you need to know is honor changes for you from obedience to consideration and you need to really weigh what your parents say. Uh, the second thing, here's how we can honor them. In this weird season that you guys are in, you're trying to figure out, okay, if it doesn't look like obedience, what does it look like? The first thing you should start with is you, you should speak well of them. Speak well of them. That means speak well of them to their face. Tell them 
the things that you love about them, be nice to them, be kind-hearted to them. But it also means speak well of them when they're not looking with your when you're with your friends. Right. When all of your, you know, especially for those of you in the room, you, you know, you might be 17 or 18 years old and you're a little younger and you live with your mom and dad and you're seeing your mom and dad uh, won't let you maybe do some of the things that your friends all get to do because their mom and dad are cool, whatever. Right. Don't use that as an excuse to start blasting your mom and dad. You speak well of your mom and dad in the same way that you speak well of your enemies and the same way that you speak well of one another. Jesus has very strong words for how we're to use our language. And a good way to honor your mom and dad is just simply to speak well of them. That does not mean you don't share what's, uh, you know, it does not mean that you don't share truth. I've talked to um, some people who they had really tough, they had like a real tough mom and dad. Like if, if we're going to have the, this, the category of, of dishonorable to honorable, they're way on this side. Right. And they, they took this kind of idea of I got to speak well of them to mean I can't say any of the bad things that actually happened because that's dishonoring them. That's not true. There's an appropriate way um, and an appropriate time and appropriate people and an appropriate place to share the true things that happened. And that's not dishonoring. What's dishonoring really is the motive of your heart. Are you sharing them because you want help and you, you're trying to deal with the traumatic things that have happened to you? Or are you sharing them just because you're bitter and you're angry and you want everyone to get on your bandwagon? That's the difference. Okay, so it really ultimately is found in the heart. So speak well of them. Here's the next thing. Um, this has been really helpful for me. Find something redeemable to celebrate. Find something redeemable about your mom and dad to celebrate, okay? So um, I had a dad, uh, and I'll just I'll be honest with you, I've shared with you guys some of my story. Uh, my stepdad never wanted kids, okay? So when I came into the picture, I was like, I, I just, he happened to get me because he really loved my mom, right? And he didn't know how to raise me, didn't know how to love me. His dad didn't know how to love him and uh, was not affectionate at all. Um, excuse the um, the language a little bit, but I would literally go to like hug my dad and he'd be like, get out of here, you gay boy, right? Like that was that was my dad. He just didn't know. He didn't know how to, he didn't know how to be a dad, right? And so I grew up with a dad that um, I always really tried to please, but he gave me absolutely no affection. Um, and I used to be really bitter about that. And then when I had kids, I got even more frustrated. I'm gonna be honest with you. Once I had kids, my whole perspective of my mom and dad changed and the enemy really used used me having kids to get angry at my mom and dad because now I've got these precious little ones, right? And I'm looking at their looking at their lives going, how could you treat me the way um, that uh, that you did? Because I'm, I'm looking at this cute little child, this sweet little child, and I'm going, I would never want to treat my child this way. How could you? And the enemy got me like really bitter and really angry. And this is one of the things that I learned out of that is, is though my dad had a lot of shortcomings, a lot of shortcomings, there were still some redeemable things and some redeemable qualities that needed to be celebrated. And it's not fair to only view people for all of the ways that they do wrong. Right? And that's a big thing that we do in the culture today. Right. You can look at it in the media. You can look at it um, through history. All we ever do is we talk about people's um, mistakes and talk about things that people did wrong um, in their past. And we don't ever just celebrate the things they did right. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be remembered for all of the ways that I messed up. I don't want people to think about me for all of my mistakes and all of my issues. Right now, that doesn't mean I want people to overlook them all the time. But I may get a lot of things wrong, but I still get some things right. And I know for my dad, I had to learn how to find something redeemable. And so, yeah, you know what? He wasn't affectionate, but you know what he, you know what he really did? My dad worked so hard to make sure that I wanted for nothing. My dad worked like 
50, 60 hours a week. He worked his tail off and I never had to hurt for material things. I was never physically uncomfortable and that was his way of showing love. And so, you know what? It wasn't my favorite way. I just wanted a hug. Just wanted to be told, hey, I love you. Just wanted to be told you're a blessing. But his way of saying that was working really hard. Right? Different generation. But I found something redeemable. Does it make sense? So you find, you find what's redeemable and you champion it and you celebrate it. He always made it to my football games. Right? That's a good one, right? Uh, whatever, right? Well, okay, so here we go. Um, what's the next way that we do it? We 1 Corinthians 13, the crap out of them. That's how I have it. We 1 Corinthians 13, the crap out of them. You ever read 1 Corinthians 13? Let me read it for you. I'll just pull it up. 1 Corinthians 13, open up your Bibles. Go to 1 Corinthians 13. It is the love chapter, and contrary to popular belief, it has nothing to do with relationships. It has nothing to do with marriage. It has nothing to do with boyfriend, girlfriend, or any of that kind of thing. It is all about how we're to love and treat um, brothers and sisters in the Lord and how we're to love and treat human beings. This is what it says. Love is patient. Love is kind. Think about this with your mom and dad. Okay, just think about mom and dad. Read this over them. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast, and it is not arrogant. It is not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable nor resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Okay, so don't rejoice over your mom and dad's wrongdoing. It's very real, right? Um, but rejoice with the truth. Love, get this, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And the part that I want to key in on, this is something that the Lord's been showing me personally, areas that I, I need serious growth in, is I can be patient with people and I can be kind with people and I can kind of do a good job of making sure that I'm not resentful with people. But you know what I don't do a really good job of, and especially with my mom and dad, believing all things and hoping all things. In other words, believing the best and wanting the best for them. And so for your mom and dad, you need to get to the place where you can believe the best for them, right? In reality, right? And you can want the best for them. And if you can't want the best for them, I would just tell you right now, then you haven't forgiven them. And that's okay. The Lord will walk you through forgiveness. That's not a, how dare you? You need to forgive them right this second. But if you cannot say in your inner self, I want God's best for them and I would do whatever I can to see that come to pass, then you probably just need to work through some forgiveness stuff. And again, God will work you through that. He's, he's really good. So 1 Corinthians 13, the crap out of them. Then this, um, this is another helpful thing. Give them grace to be in process. Give them grace to be in process. Now, everybody's in process. Everybody's growing up. Nobody's got it perfect. But I want to talk to you specifically, those in the room, you have a Christian mom and dad. Okay? Your mom and dad love Jesus. They may not love him perfectly. There may be areas of, of weakness and, and, and hypocrisy. Absolutely. Guarantee there's areas of weakness and hypocrisy in your own life too. Right? But I'm talking they deep down, they really love the Lord. Guys, we got to allow our mom and dad, our Christian mom and dad, we got to allow them to be in process with Jesus. And sometimes it's really helpful to look at your mom and dad as a brother and sister in the Lord and give them the same level of grace that you would your brother um, or your best friend who's in the Lord and who's really struggling. And rather than hold their sins against them, get in the fight and try to help them, pray for them, allow them to be in process. Nobody's perfect. Those of you who don't have a Christian mom and dad, 
right? My mom and dad aren't Christian. We still need to allow them to be in process. They're still human beings. They still haven't got it figured out. No matter how much they may seem like they haven't figured out, and no matter how frustrating it is that they think they have it all figured out, they don't have it all figured out. And they're still learning. They're learning how to parent. They're learning how to be adults. They're learning, um, and especially for those of us who are, um, you have Christian mom and dad, they're learning how to love Jesus. Um, here we go. Um, this is my next point. If they aren't Christians, so if you're like me and your mom and dad aren't Christians, um, this is helpful. Here's how you honor them. Don't expect them to act like a Christian. Don't expect them to act like a Christian. Now this Again, is where I really jacked up my relationship with my mom and dad because I read the Bible, got fiery about the Bible, figured out, oh, uh, here's how I'm supposed to raise my children. I'm angry that my mom and dad didn't raise me this way. And then I had to remember, oh, they don't know the Bible. And much less do they not know the Bible. They don't even know God. Now, how many Christians know God don't even know the Bible, right? Like, Like they're not even on the playing field. Okay, they don't know God. They were never told about God. They know nothing about the Bible. And I would get really angry at them. And ultimately, if I were to boil down my issue, the issue was I was angry because they were not acting like a Christian. And the Bible says they're actually a slave to their sin. That they have no choice but to do what their sin nature tells them to do, that they're, that they're lost. That feels like really harsh, right? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that in a, in, a condemning or, uh, 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 in a condemning way, but it's just the reality. They're lost. And so I can't possibly expect them to act like a born-again believer when they don't know, they don't know Jesus. And, and here's the deal. I have the third member of the Godhead dwelling inside of me, and so do you. And how often do we miss it with God dwelling in us? Like every day. Every stinking day. And how much grace should we give to our mom and dad? They don't know Jesus. And so we can't expect them to act like they know Jesus. Um. Okay, here's another one I think is really helpful. Uh, look for ways to serve them. So you're asking, I'm, I'm 20 years old, how do I honor my mother and father? Uh, honor doesn't look like obedience necessarily. Look for ways to serve them. How many of you, by show of hands, you are, um, I'm gonna assume you're all young adults, uh, so you're at least 18, but you live with your mom and dad. Raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> that was the most judgmental laugh I've ever heard. <laughs> you live with your mom, okay. <laughs> Hypocrite. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> That's a lot of you. Do that again. How many of you live with your mom and dad? All right, y'all got to grow up. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I love that you live with your mom and dad. You have an opportunity. Listen, here's, here's how I'm going to tell you how to honor your mother and father. It may not look like obedience, but it does look like serving them. I'm going to give you a challenge. When you leave, your parents should be so frustrated or so sad that you're leaving because you're taking a blessing. Okay, here's what I mean by that. You're serving them and you're serving their household so well. You're making their life better and not worse. You're not being a burden, but you're actively trying to be a blessing. You're not trying to be a resource drain, but you're trying to add benefit to your mom and dad and to your family. And so that when you leave, it's a sad day. It's not a day that's being championed. Yeah. How many of you, you rent somewhere? You rent a room somewhere? Anyone? Just curious? Yeah? Same thing goes for you. You should be that way for your tenants. Or for your, your what, what are they not tenants? What are they? Your, your what do they care? Landlord. Landlord and roommate. I haven't rented in a long time. I'm an adult. Okay? I'm just kidding. The point is, I'm married, so I do the same thing with my wife. The point is, guys, 
You should be such a blessing to your environment that your mom and dad actually don't want to see you go. That's the way that you honor them. Okay, so get this. That means you wake up on Saturday morning, fellas, and you mow the grass. Say it again. Wake up, mow the grass. Just help your mom and dad. Say, well, I don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. You get to serve them. Okay, clean the house. Pick up after yourself. Right there, everybody, everybody's parents has those, those like weird idiosyncrasies, right? That like they just really care about certain things that the Bible doesn't really care about. And you're like, but look, man, the Bible doesn't care about it. Who cares? Honor your mother and father. Pick up after yourself. Okay. Whatever it looks like, be a blessing. Maybe slide a little money under the table, some of you. That's okay. Right? Be a blessing. Take your parents out to dinner. Serve them. Um, and then, uh, dang. We're going to get to murder and adultery, but it's going to be quick, <laughs> which kind of should be. You guys already got the punchline. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Most of you aren't married. Um, all right, here we go. Um, here's the next way that I think will be really helpful for you. See them for their wounds. Um, and I'm really, I, I say this one often because this is probably the one that marked me the most. Okay. Your mom and dad, they are not just human beings. For some of you, for some of you they're not just Christians okay, who are in process. They are wounded people and they have trauma and they have things in their life that they haven't shared with you because they're trying to protect you. And we don't see those things. And so when mom acts a fool, we're like, I don't understand where this is coming from. And then you get angry because she seemingly had a perfect upbringing. And then you find out that her dad held a gun to her head when she was a kid. Mm. That's real. And you don't know that. But I'm telling you right now, your mom and dad have dealt with things, whether they were Christians or whether they were not Christians, that they haven't told you yet. And it's marked them and it's hurt them. I got really angry at my mom and I've shared this story in the past, but I've gotten really angry at my mom before because of some of the things that she exposed me to as a child that I was like, how could you possibly do that? And I got angry and bitter at her. And then I remembered a story that she told me when I was like 21 years old about her dad and how her dad abused her sexually as a child um, and as a, as a baby. So all of the things that I was like angry at my mom and dad about instantly, when I remembered that, I was like, ooh, I can't imagine. I'm like looking at my little Vivian going, I, I can't imagine being violated by the person who's supposed to love you, cherish you, and keep you safe. Hmm. And in the moment, seeing my mom for her wounds, it invokes something that is so powerful in the spirit and it's compassion. All of a sudden, my heart just began to break for my mom. And I went from being angry and bitter at my mom to, to being somebody who like really deeply cared for my mom and, and, and seeing her for her wounds and all of her trauma and going, man, I, I just want to be a, I just want to be a blessing. I want to try to make this better. I don't want to hold it against her. And here's the deal. You're, if you haven't experienced stuff like that, you're going to experience things in your life that mark you and drive your kids crazy. You're going to experience things that change the way that you view um, whatever parenting that change the way that you view that, that, you know, different standards that you have. And your kids are going to be like, how could my mom and dad ever be that way? And the reality is you didn't tell them all the horrible things that you had to deal with. You didn't tell them about the one moment that happened that changed everything because you love your kids and you're not trying to traumatize your kids. <laughs> right. Same premise. So see them for their wounds. And then um, the last thing. Uh, how, as you're trying to figure out how am I supposed to honor my mother and father when honor doesn't look like obedience, it's this, you minister to them. You minister to them. I'm going to read, so I told you to read, uh, I told you to open up to Matthew 5. Matthew 5 is fascinating. Who here knows what's famous about Matthew 5? There's a title behind Matthew 5. Raise your hand. We're going to go class style. What is it? 
It's the Beatitudes. What else is it? I know you know it. Yep, Anthony, back there. Sermon on the Mount, which the Beatitudes are a part of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is so helpful. It's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's found in other parts of the Bible, but read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Here's why. Because the Sermon on the Mount is part B to the Ten Commandments. If you go through and you read the Ten Commandments and then you immediately start to read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you will realize very quickly that the Sermon on the Mount is the explanation of the spirit behind the letter of the law in Exodus chapter 20. So I'm going to read to you Matthew chapter 5, okay? And this is what I mean. When I say minister to your mom and dad, this is what I mean. Matthew chapter 5, this is verses 13, 13 through 16, and then I'm going to give you 38 through 48. Pay attention. Imagine this is about you and your family and your mom and dad. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by man. You are the light of the world, light of your families. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Go on down to verse 38. But you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go with him one mile, go with him two. Give to him who asks of you and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. You have heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and he sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Think about that in context of your mom and dad. Think about that in context of your broken home. You're to minister. You're to be salt and light, not just in the earth, but in your home. And I would even go as far to say this, is if you can't be salt and light in your home, you probably are not, you're probably not going to be able to be salt and light in the earth. It's got to start in the home. Make sense? So I'm going to give you those points again, just bullet points, just so you can you can, you can have them. Um, obedience doesn't um, uh, uh, honor doesn't mean obedience. It's now consideration. You need to speak well of them. Find something redeemable to celebrate. First um, Corinthians 13, the crap out of them. Give them grace to be in process. If they aren't Christians, don't expect them to act like Christians. Look for ways to serve them. Um, see them for their wounds, and then you are to minister to them. Does that make sense? You notice that you can do all of those without necessarily obeying and doing exactly what they say when they say it. You realize that? Okay. Here we are. That's a service dog, by the way. That is not Travis making that noise. <laughs> Love you, my friend. You shall not commit murder. I've got you for, uh, I got 10 more, 10 more minutes, okay? And we're gonna, yeah, well, should I do this? Yes. Yeah, yes. might as well. I'm just going to read, I'm going to continue to read Matthew chapter five and then 
He talks about murder and we'll go from there. You shall not murder. That's the next one. You've heard that the ancients were told you shall not commit murder and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing shall be guilty of the Supreme Court. And whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Wow. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar and there remember... Uh, that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. Mm. Make friends quickly with your opponent at law while you're with him on the way so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer and for you to be thrown into prison. Truly I say to you, um, you will not come out of there until you have paid up the last cent. Okay, so here's the idea. The command is do not murder. Shall not commit murder. Everybody in the room, if you've committed murder, raise your hand. All right. We're going to call the police. Just kidding. (laughs) Micaiah is like, I've done it. It's me. All right. If that was serious, I'm a little frightened. As Christians, we don't murder. We get that. Okay. What's murder? It's not killing. Okay. Sometimes people are like, oh, we're not allowed to kill. We can have some debate on that. But the idea is this. Um, God sends people to war and he says kill. So it's obviously not killing. Murder is taking life um, in an unjust manner. Uh, it's, it's actually going out of your way in rage and murder. Okay, so, so we know we get that. That's really easy. But Jesus, again, in Matthew 5, unfolds the letter of the law and reveals to us the spirit of the law. Now, how many of you raised your hand? Have you heard, if you've heard this, okay, the sermon that kind of goes something like this, um, Jesus says that if you hate your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. Raise it. Nice and high. Did you notice that it didn't say that? Now, it may say that in other parts of the Bible, but I love Matthew because you know what he says? He says, if you're angry with your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. Now, that's like a far more intense, um, an easily breakable um, thing to do. I may not murder my brother. I mean, here's the deal. I don't even hate my brother. I'm really good at not hating my brother. But the, the command given here is don't be angry with your brother. And I'm like, oh, ah, I break that one a lot. We don't murder. But here, what I just read to you, I'm going to give you three ways that Jesus says that we murder people. Are you ready? Number one, by being bitter towards them with anger. He says, if you, if you are angry, and that's the kind of anger that he's talking about, the, the, the rage, the embittered, the I, I, I can't get over it. If you are angry at your bro- brother with bitter rage, he says, yeah, it's the same thing as murdering them. That's the heart behind the letter of the law. The second thing he says is this, um, seeing them as worthless. Seeing them as worthless. He said, whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing. Did you hear me say that earlier? Read it, Matthew 5. You good for nothing, seeing them as worthless. That is another way that we commit murder in our hearts. It may be good by the letter of the law, but it isn't good by the spirit of the law. So if you see someone and you think to yourself, well, they are really good for nothing. That's really, you may not use that language, but if you look at them as worthless, if you look at them as if they don't have any value, if you look at, the, if you look at them as they don't have a part to play, it's the same thing as committing murder in your heart. Well, what's the third way? So the first is being bitter towards them. The second is seeing them as worthless, you good for nothing. And then the third is seeing them as lesser. Because he used the language, whoever says to them, you fool. And the idea is that you would look at someone as they are, as if they are less than you. 
They're less important. They have less of a part to play. They're worse in every possible way. If they would just act like me, they'd be better. And when we look at people as if they're worthless, and then we look at people as if they're lesser than us, what we're actually doing is we're committing murder in our heart, and you don't even know it. And that's not how we're to treat people as Christians. We don't view people as lesser. We view people as equals. And the Bible actually says that we regard one another as more important than ourselves. So think about that for a second. As Christians, we don't look at people and we say you're worthless. What we do is we look at people and we say, hey, you have value because Jesus said that you were worth enduring the cross. You're full of worth. And you're not just worth it to Jesus, you're worth it to us. You're worth loving, you're worth serving, you're worth dying for. And we're not to be angry and enraged and bitter. We're to be forgiving, kind-hearted and loving. And I think something that strikes me in this passage is he talks about your, your worship. And he says, hey, he goes, if you go to the altar and you know that your brother has something against you, go to him. It's so fascinating to me that that's the language that he uses. He does not say, hey, if you have something against your brother and you're at the altar and you're worshiping and you're bitter and angry and offended, go deal with it. He doesn't say that. He says, if you know that your brother is bitter and angry and offended, go deal with it. He goes, I don't want to talk to you until you've been made right with my body. You don't get to talk to the head if you're not right with the body. Mm. Come on. That's amazing. Think about that for a second. That means when you guys are up here in worship, right? This is essentially what he's saying. Now, I'll tell you, you actually practically have to do this. But he's basically saying, hey, when you're up here in worship and you're in the altar call and you're having a moment with me, I want you to hit pause if you think that so-and-so has a problem with you and I want you to go settle that. Bring it out of the light. Apologize. Repent for what you need to repent for. Own what you need to own. Let them do the same thing. And then I want you to come back and then we're going to be good. Then you can continue. And the sentiment is this, that our unity is more important than our momentary worship. That's the sentiment. And we think that our momentary worship is really pleasing to the Lord. And really the thing that's the most pleasing to him is unity, which is why he prayed in in, uh, John 17, Lord, I pray that they would be one as you and I are one. Does it make sense? Okay. So don't murder. Don't think lesser of people. Don't be bitter towards people. And don't see them as lesser. Don't say you good for nothing. Don't say you fool. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that this message ministered to you and that the Lord met you. You can follow us on Instagram at GatekeepersATL. We'll see you in the next episode.